Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Megan and Julie with the VBAC link. And we are so excited as always to share with you another amazing story. We have our friend Emily today, and she is going to share her VBAC story. She's actually in New York, if I remember correctly, and has quite the story to share you guys. This, I kind of feel like we have a celebrity right now on the podcast because her story has seriously been featured everywhere, everywhere, like, like seriously everywhere. Like people, USA today, inside edition, good morning, America. And yours truly the VBAC link now here. So <laughs> almost, almost right up there if, with us. If we were as cool as all of those, all of those platforms, like that would be really cool. But yeah, that's, we're so excited to bring this story with you guys today. So, um, we are going to dive into her story really soon. But Julie has a review of the week, so we'll hurry and do that, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I am so excited to hear this story. I love a good type of story that this is. I almost give a spoiler alert (laughs) story. Uh, This is my favorite type of birth story, so I can't wait to hear it. But yes, our review this week is from... KTJ TV GML on Apple Podcast, Alphabet Soup there. And it's called Thankful for the Timing of This Preparation Tool. She says, I have been listening to this podcast well as well as following along with the Facebook group, the VBAC Link community. Plug in for the Facebook group. I desired a VBAC right after having my elective cesarean, but just started off with a little hope and faith. Having tools and knowledge helped me so much mentally. I have learned and continue to learn from every episode and each one makes me feel closer and closer to that victorious moment when my second baby is born vaginally. And even if things don't work in my favor, I still wouldn't trade this knowledge for anything. Hoping for a late June or early July. Oh, that's like right now. Um, vaginal birth and to be able to share my story. Well, we are so excited for your upcoming delivery and definitely let us know how things go. And if you're listening and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Facebook, on Google. We just got a couple Google reviews last week and that made me, my heart really, really happy. So if we've helped you in any way, please let us know. Um, or you can shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook. I don't know. You can contact us in all the ways. We love hearing from you and we love knowing how we have helped you along your journey. So thanks so much, KTG TV MGL on Apple Podcasts and everyone else that's t- taken their time to leave us a sweet review. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into this story. Like so excited for this story. All right, Emily, do you want to take it over? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I will just say that I listened to the VBAC link podcast a lot when I was pregnant and I'm also part of the Facebook group and, and all that stuff. And I actually bought the course as well. So I had 
book and and all of that. So thank you guys Yay, for all. absolutely. So I think the the best place to start is with my first birth because I I won't go into too much detail with it. But I think because of that birth, obviously, you know, I had the VBAC, but I think because of that birth, I I don't know if I would have had the kind of experience I had, if that makes sense. So I I, I think I had such a positive experience because it really lit a fire under me and I did so much more research and really prepared myself to the point where I I just wanted this feedback more than anything. So I really ended up having a positive experience. So with my first, I was with midwives. I had a doula. I was planning um, unmedicated at a birthing center. I felt pretty educated. And looking back, I, I honestly was. I, I did a lot of research. Um, my doula was fabulous. We had a bunch of prenatal appointments. I was reading all of the books, you know, watching documentaries, listening to a ton of podcasts. So I felt really good about it. And then it turns out that my son was breech, which for me, I desperately wanted to deliver vaginally. And I was very comfortable assessing the risks and benefits of a vaginal breech birth. And I wanted to do vaginal. Um, but unfortunately, due to when I found out and when I was due, which was right around Labor Day, anyone who was trained in vaginal breech birth was either on vacation or they weren't accepting any more clients or the hospital put a ban on breech births. So at the time with my first birth, I didn't feel comfortable traveling more than like four hours away at that point. So the best decision at the time was a planned C-section. Um, I'd also like to mention that I did everything under the sun to try to get my son to turn. Um, including an ECV, and it was not happening. I was seeing a chiropractor, I did moxibustion, I was doing a ton of spinning babies. And actually, even during the ECV, the doctor was able to turn my son head down, actually, like pretty easily. And as soon as the doctor took his hands away, my son scurried back up to head up, butt down. <laughs> and then we tried it the other way, um, counterclockwise, same thing, he just went right back into the same position. So I'm not sure why, but that did happen. So with the planned C-section, I decided, okay, if I'm going to have a C-section, I want it to be the absolute most gentle, best <laughs> family-centered C-section that I could possibly have. So I did advocate for myself quite a bit. So I did have some My Choice of Music playing, and my husband had lavender oil um, that I was smelling my... I was basically completely naked because I wanted my son to be on my chest as soon as he was born. So they took him out pretty slowly. Um, so I wanted to try to have as much of a vaginal squeeze type experience for him. And uh, we did delayed cord clamping for about 90 seconds and they wrapped him in a warm towel during that and then put him on my chest. So while they were sewing me up, he was on my chest the whole time, which was great. Um, I also did vaginal seeding with him and uh, I had some uh, expressed colostrum with me that I brought to the hospital that I used a little bit, but he pretty much latched on when we were in the recovery room and my doula was able to come with me in the recovery room before I got to my main room. So all in all, really great C-section, 
still incredibly devastating experience, which I think mentally was very isolating for me because to everyone else, it looked like a great experience. So I healed really well. I, you know, I had that instant skin to skin, breastfeeding was going well. You know, it it looked like on paper everything was fine and like it was a plan C section, you know, like so there I had a good night's sleep, we woke up, but I did miss all of the rush of hormones. I missed the experience of giving birth vaginally, which I desperately wanted. So it was it really was not the experience that I was planning on. And it was, you know, I think a lot of people I mean, everyone's situation is different, right? But I think for a lot of people, the, a very common story is they didn't really do a lot of research. They didn't know. They just trusted their doctor. They walk into the hospital. There's a cascade of intervention, and they end up with a unplanned C-section. And that's, you know, unfortunately very common. For me, I was like, I'm at a birthing center. I have a doula. I know what I'm doing. I'm doing like, so it, when I did have the C-section, it felt incredibly devastating devastating like I don't I don't know how to describe it but it was just like like I I felt like I did all of the work and also I think what made it really difficult was I wanted to deliver him vaginally breech you know I wasn't like oh well he's breached so that sucks like c-section was the safest route like that's not how I feel so like it may have been there's no way to to you know know but like more than likely it would have been fine to deliver him vaginally. So it was, I just felt like I didn't have that experience. So I very much wanted to be back so much so that when the surgeon was sewing me up, she was like the, one of the nurses was taking pictures of my uterus and I was like, do double labor closure. And, you know, even as she was closing me up, she was like, you're going to get your V back. Don't worry. Like I'm doing great stitching. You're, you're going to be great. Because everyone in the room, including my midwife, who was actually in the room with me during the surgery, they all knew how badly I, I wanted a vaginal birth. So anyway, fast forward, um, I got pregnant two years when my son was two. We were team green this time because part of that was I felt like there was no surprises with my first birth. I found out the gender and it was a plan C-section and it felt more like because I didn't have any of the hormones of labor, I just kind of went in for like brunch or something or just an appointment. And then all of a sudden they were like, your baby's here. And I wasn't feeling anything. So I did want some element of surprise. So I thought, okay, even if I don't get my V back and I have to do another C-section, at least I'll have the element of surprise of finding out the gender. Um, in hindsight, my birth was plenty exciting and I did not need to find out the gender of my child. <laughs> so moving forward, pregnancy was totally fine. I hired the same midwives, same doula, since I didn't get to really use them in labor the first time. Um, and they're great. So I really, I really like them. And from this pregnancy, some things that I was doing differently, I was very concerned about positioning of the baby. So I was seeing a Webster certified chiropractor from before I was pregnant and she was doing Graston and dry needling on my C-section scar and really just making sure that I was in the best alignment and had the most space possible to have this baby get into the best position. 
Um, certainly I don't want another breech baby, but you know, even, even if the baby's head down, I wanted the baby in an optimal position for like the easiest labor, which ended up working. So <laughs> that worked really well for me. Um, one other thing that I actually haven't mentioned on a, um, when I've talked about this birth is I was born with hip dysplasia and um, dislocated hips when I was born. So I was, um, they discovered it kind of late. So I was put in a cast and then a brace. And then when I was in my twenties, I had something called a periacetabular osteotomy, which was a pretty intense surgery on my hip. So I also, there was in the back of my mind, there is some asymmetry in my hip. And I wasn't sure, you know, the way my pelvis would move and flex during labor. So that was another reason why I really wanted chiropractic work during it. Um, and I also was doing spinning babies religiously. It's something that my doula mentioned the first time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, cool. But I didn't really do it too much. <laughs> and I was wearing heels all the time. And, you know, this time I was very careful with all of the spinning baby stuff and never leaning back and getting into the right position. So anyway, all of that is to say the pregnancy went super well, smooth. Um, I had the C-section with my son when I was 39 weeks and one day. And um, this is obviously, this is during the pandemic and I wasn't seeing a lot of people during the pregnancy. And my husband's cousin was getting married in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So and we haven't seen our family in a long time. So I thought, let's go out and go to the wedding. It's fine. You know, it's I live in Westchester, New York. So it's about a three and a half ish, three, three and a half hour drive from our house. The hospital where I was planning on having to be back with the midwives was in Connecticut. So from the wedding to the hospital was about four-ish hours away. So I thought, you know, first of all, I'm only 37 and a half weeks at the time of this wedding. Um, so the chances of me going into labor, it's possible, but it's not likely. It's, I'm not, you know, super far along uh, in that way, especially since I was only, you know, 39 and one with my son and there were no, no real signs of labor. And so we drove out to the wedding. I figured, okay, you know, if I happen to go into labor on this one day, I'll just be in early labor, you know, and we'll just drive back and we'll just go to the hospital or, you know, I'll go home, labor at home for a little bit, call the doula, and then we'll head over to the hospital, you know, when things start progressing, which seems like a very reasonable plan because who has a baby in less than like three or four hours for their first time labor? That just <laughs> seemed like, that seemed like, yes, it's possible. But again, I was just, you know, trying to look at the statistics of like, well, how long is the first time labor? And I'm thinking, okay, somewhere in the realm of like 16, 24 hours, something, you know, in that kind of range. Anyway, so we went to the wedding. It was great, super fun. Um, we left, there was a hotel where we were, where the wedding was. So we went back to the hotel probably around like 11-ish at night and we were like in bed in our pajamas at 11.30. So 11, I don't even know. It was like <laughs> close to midnight. I was, I maybe just fell asleep for a minute. I felt like I had to pee, which, you know, happens when you're pregnant, but I just peed <laughs> like at 11.30. So I'm like, how is it that I have to pee again? 
but whatever. And I stood up to go pee and I just felt all of this like warm liquid rush out of me. And my first thought, like a lot of people's first thought is like, am I peeing? But it wasn't stopping. So then I thought like, okay, this might be my water. And I went to the bathroom, tried to go back to, you know, like changed, tried to go back to bed and the water was still leaking. And at that point I was like, okay, my water has broken. This is definitely a thing. And the fluid was clear. Um, I was GBS negative. There was no like odor, like everything was good. Obviously at that point, no one had checked how dilated I was or anything. So I was not concerned about any kind of infection or anything. And obviously I was pretty much like at term. So, and I've had good prenatal care, so no concerns. There was no kind of like panicking. Um, So I woke up my husband around midnight. He was just sleeping for a second. And it's like, Hey, my water broke. I'm not really concerned. I'm not having any kind of contractions. You know, if contractions start, let's start pack it up and head back. But, you know, this could be like a day or two before contractions even begin. And then once that happens, it could be another, you know, 16 to 24 hours. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems like, you know, it is common that water breaks and you're not going to go into labor immediately. Oh, it happened with me three for three. (laughs) Yeah. Single time. I mean, with the third, I mean, I didn't really go into labor, like really into labor for over 24 hours. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, you know, and so obviously sometimes your water breaks and it's like, ah, you're in labor. But, you know, I was thinking, okay, if my water breaks and then I'm in labor, we'll just leave. Right. Like, that's fine. You know, also, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. I'm not going to like, you know, go find an Amish midwife and run into her house Mm -hmm. or or, you know, run to a random hospital where they know nothing about me other than I've had a previous C-section. And just be like, I'm not in labor, but my water broke. Like that just seems insane. <laughs> I know. Yeah. A lot of the times it's just better to just chill and hang out and monitor yeah. your symptoms. And yeah. Yeah. Wait for labor to start. Wait for so, things to start. Yeah. You know, granted hindsight's 2020, I should have just left, but I figured, okay, this is going to be, I, you know, my water broke and I said, okay, here we go. Contractions haven't started, but I'm, I have to get ready. I have to get my head in the game. This is going to be an adventure and I need to save my energy. I need to eat something. I need to try to sleep and just relax because this is going to be like a wild ride. And this is not the time for me to be like, awake and freaking out and you know all of that so I told my husband basically all of that and I said let's just try to get some sleep and we'll wake up at like 5 or 6 a.m we'll just try to get a couple of hours and then we'll drive early in the morning you know there won't be any traffic and we'll just head back you know when we're close-ish or like when it's a reasonable time in the morning like 7 or 8 a.m I can let our doula know and our midwife, you know, what's up. And I can come in in the morning if I'm not in labor, you know, to see the midwives or whatever they want to do. So, you know, my husband's kind of half asleep and he's like, okay, I mean, I guess that sounds good. Like, you know, if the fluid was clear, let's just try to get some sleep. Which, you know, all of the midwives and doulas that I've spoken to have been like, yep, that sounds very reasonable. (laughs) And all of the general public, as you know, like my, my story went viral, you know, I've had some comments here or there, 
of people being like, why didn't you immediately scream and run into a hospital? And I just, I just don't think that would have been the right decision for me. So anyway, I, um, I tried to go back to sleep, but I couldn't, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, when your mind knows what's happening, you're like, I can't, I can't go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So I was trying to fall asleep, but I kept leaking fluid. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. like wouldn't stop and I didn't Mm -hmm. have diapers or anything with me. So the fluid's just leaking and leaking and leaking. And I'm actually taught like chatting, um, texting with one of my friends who has had two home births Mm -hmm. and she knows how badly I wanted this. And she was like, girl, you need to pack up your stuff and get out of there. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? You're going to have this baby in the car. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like it's, I have all these text messages conversations now, which are hilarious so funny yeah <laughs> um but you know again I was just kind of like eh, I'm fine I just I also really understood the pain fear cycle and I just was so committed to being chill <laughs> I'm putting mm-hmm. that in quotes you know during labor and just being focused and staying positive and breathing and not having any kind of fear sneak in. Mm-hmm. So I think that almost pushed me so much that, that I was almost in denial a little bit mm-hmm. about what was going on. So uh, anyway, at, at some point, like, a, I think it was probably around like 2.30 a.m., I I'm like up and down every two seconds. That poor hotel room's like covered in amniotic fluid, but I went to the bathroom and I go to wipe and there's a bloody show. I'm like, okay, here we go. Still no contractions, but like things are kind of picking up at some point. I'm like pooping a lot TMI. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Another sign. Like we're yeah. getting ready. This like is your happening. body's preparing to begin labor. Yes. And I was like, all of these signs are good. And then 3 a.m. hit. So this is three hours after my water broke. And contractions hit and they hit hard and fast and heavy. And I was, it like completely took my breath away. So I woke up my husband and I said, Hey, contraction started. Like we should go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it was, I've had like maybe two or three contractions at that point. And he was like, okay, I'm going to run to the drugstore. I'll pick up some adult diapers. So, you know, cause you're still leaking or whatever. And so to protect the car, which again, in hindsight, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, so he goes to get the adult diapers and I'm, I do have a, like a thought in my mind. I remember like panicking for a second and thinking in my mind, like, don't leave, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, okay. And he left and he's like, you pack up the room. And I'm like, okay. And my hotel room has, you know, my makeup. Cause we just went to a wedding. So it has like my bra and my dress and my fake eyelashes and my makeup and clothes are everywhere. And like, it was a disaster. Meanwhile, these contractions are coming every four minutes, every three minutes. And they're lasting like a minute or more. And And strong. And strong. And I'm completely like bent over on the bed having to breathe. And I remember thinking one of the thoughts I had was, oh my gosh, is this early labor? If this is early labor, there's 
like, I can't do this. Like, I was like, no, you know, but it, uh, that thought, you know, I, I shooed that thought away. I was like, nope, we're doing this. Like it's happening. So get on board. We, we're, we're doing this. At one point as I'm like throwing everything into my suitcase, and then I stumble into the bathroom because I just, I was like jumping out of my skin and I felt like I needed some relief. So I turned on the tub and I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just get in the shower or the tub for a minute, you know, just for a second. And then, you know, the other side of my brain was like, Emily, you cannot take a bath, like get your crap and go. <laughs> you don't have time for a luxurious bath in this hotel. Like you have to get going. But again, I had those like two sides of my of my brain kind of chatting with each other the whole time. Um, and I will say one of the things that I found incredibly helpful, I know I mentioned um, Webster certified chiropractor and, you know, having a very supportive team. I had my midwife and my doula and really educating myself. So I wasn't I, I didn't have fear. No, I mean, not necessarily to advocate for myself, which I, you know, of course, education is good for that. But also just I feel like the more you know about birth, the more normalized it is. And I think if you don't know anything about it, there's a certain level of fear of the unknown. Um, and I was very much in that world and a lot of my friends have had home births. And so I'm kind of in that, that universe. So it, birth did seem very normal to me. Uh, I don't know if normal is the right word, but you know, like uh, it, you know, borderline uneventful, mm -hmm. I guess. Like it's a very, a very natural process most of the time. Right. Um, where things most of the time go well. So that was kind of my mindset. But the other thing I think that's incredibly important that I would like to mention is I was using the gentle birth app for meditations during my pregnancy. And I really doubled down on it like the last couple of weeks and I was doing meditations. And then about a week before this wedding, I downloaded their contraction timer, which just came out. It was like a new app. And that was the same woman talking, talking through the meditations, but it's with the contraction timer. So you press the button when the contraction starts and it's a woman's voice. Couldn't tell you what she said now, but it was all sorts of calming, wonderful things. And you turn it off and you rate the contraction. I forget what the, how they label it, but it's like mild, medium, and... I forget, like intense might be the, the wrong word, but it's, it's three different levels. And I just kept rating them as like the lowest level. Cause I was like, it's fine. This is fine. We're good. Everything's good. And I keep rating them as mild, even though I'm like completely doubled over and having to breathe through them. Can't talk. So my husband comes back. We were in the car at 4am. So at this point it was an hour from when contraction started and my water broke at midnight. So I was in labor for an hour at that point. We get in the car. Um, I'm texting my sister-in-law. So the other huge part of this, I feel like, you know, with a lot of the headlines of my birth story, it's, you know, it's hard because I, I want to share my story because I feel like I had such a wonderful, empowering experience. And I want to, you know, hopefully help people and educate people and, and make people feel confident that they can do this. But with sharing something so personal, you do, you know, put a target on your back. 
And there are some other comments from people about different things. So I had to deal with, you know, people just reading a headline and not knowing any of the details. So one of like the details of, you know, why did I make the decisions I made was at this wedding, I was supposed to drive my sister-in-law back in the morning. So there was a brunch in the morning for everyone. And we were supposed to drive her back to New York with us. So in my mind, I thought like, well, this baby isn't coming for a day or two, at least I don't want to abandon my sister-in-law in Amish country. Like I will just wait a couple of hours and then maybe we'll wake her up at five, 6 a.m. and then go. And that seemed very reasonable to me. So as I'm like doubled over and trying to get into my husband's car, <laughs> which I have like a Jeep, which is bigger. He has the Honda Accord, which is actually, you know, pretty roomy, but not not roomy enough for labor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what car would be roomy enough for labor. But, um, you know, I was texting her and I was like, hey, contractions started or something, you know, like everything's fine. And then later at four o'clock when I was in the car, I said something like, this is getting really intense. We had to go. Sorry. And then like a half an hour later, I think she saw the text message and she starts calling me and she starts calling my husband and she's texting us and she's like, what's going on? Are you guys okay? What's going on? And I couldn't text back or answer. And, you know, my husband just kept ignoring the call. And this whole time I'm using the contraction timer, um, not so much to time my contractions, but more for the meditation that went along with it. So I was in the car in the front seat for a little bit. And then at some point I moved to the back seat, but I ended up laboring in the car. We were driving for an hour and 45 minutes. So that is the other part of this story that I think. Sounds um, miserable. Yeah, it was. <laughs> miserable. Yes. Like anyone who has, it's so funny because when I listen to these podcasts, you know, or any kind of like birth story and people talk about like, oh, I, I had to go into the car to get to the hospital. You know, they say like, that's the first intervention is like moving spaces when you're laboring. And they're like, that car ride was the worst. And, you know, I'm like, oh yeah. How about like almost two hours? Mm, no. <laughs> like it's just... I mean, not that it's a competition of whose labor sucks, but you know, it's just like, like mm -hmm. it's, it's very different. I think, um, spoil, spoiler alert, having a baby in the car versus laboring in the car for hours. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, I was in the front seat for a little bit. Um, at some point I was like, I have to, I have to get out, like pull over, pull over. I stood up for a little bit, got, went to the back seat. Um, but this whole time I was listening to the app and, um, also I'm not sponsored at all by this, this is for reference. Um, but, um, you know, I was, I was just breathing and I was really focusing on everything that I learned and I was relaxing my jaw. I was doing low moans, nothing high pitched. I was doing, um, lip trills, like horse lips when things were getting more intense for some reason, actually keeping my eyes open was better for me. At the time, I thought like, oh, let me close my eyes and like go inward. But that almost made it more intense for me. 
So keeping my eyes open was helpful. Uh, although I will say at one point, I think it was probably right before transition or during transition, it was getting incredibly intense. And I had, you know, those two sides of my brain talking and it was so, it was so intense. And I'm still, I'm not like, I was never screaming. I was never really loud. So in my husband's defense, I just seemed like I was hanging out in the backseat, just kind of going, mm, uh, you know, for two hours. So I remember it got really intense. And one side of my brain was saying, okay, your options are you can open the door and throw yourself into traffic. Oh. Oh, no. Or you can just ride these waves. And like, this is just what it is. And I just thought, okay, this is just what it like, obviously, like, obviously, I'm not throwing myself into traffic. So, you know, I just have to breathe. Like, I just have to breathe. I don't have to do anything. My body's doing it for me. I just have to breathe. This isn't going to last forever. I think at one point, I verbally said out loud to my husband, like, remind me, there's a baby at the end of this. Because I was so in it, I I couldn't even really remember I was like in labor and there was a baby. Like it was just a tornado that was happening. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry, the story is jumping around, but just in again in hindsight, I was having prodromal labor, like for about a week or two before this night. So plug in here. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes history of prolonged um, prodromal labor can result in a precipitous birth. Ah, okay. Just going to throw know. that out there. So when our doula clients are having prodromal labor for weeks or even just yeah. a week, it's like, okay, when things seem to turn, like we need to be on full alert. Mm. That was how mine was. So, Gosh, it's so interesting. By the time I realized it was real, like by when things actually shifted, it was less than three hours before she was born. My I put on my labor for like 22 days. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. But anyway, keep going. So you had prodromal labor. <laughs> um, so I was having prodromal labor. And again, I was in denial. Um, at one point, I actually took Pepto-Bismol. That's how strong of denial I was in. However, at one point, it was happening so much, especially at night. And they were the waves were coming like every 15 minutes, like to like, I could time it, you know, like set my watch to it. And then they were coming consistently every 10 minutes. Um, So I was having a contraction about every 10 minutes, but it was only lasting like 30, 45 seconds. And that was happening not every single night, but like, you know, every other night, every couple of nights for like two weeks before this. But I just kept ignoring it because it, it just felt like period cramps. Kind of stagnant me. and never really progressed in a forward. Yeah. Action. And it it was yeah. never at a point where I was like, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. It just kind of felt like Braxton Hicks, but like more intense. I don't know though. Even even when things are seeming here we go, you didn't respond like here we go. No, I was very <laughs> much just, you have a very yeah. <laughs> So, but I totally get what you're saying. I'm totally just joking. Yes. Like, so the, you have a really no, no, strong pain tolerance or discomfort tolerance. But yes. yeah, I was like, very, I was very just like, I mean, even in the throes of labor, again, in my defense, I did, I still thought I was in early labor because mm-hmm. I had only like labor started at 3 a.m. Right. Yeah. And here I am, and it's like 5 a.m. 
Yeah. Right. right. In the car. So it's like, right. This baby isn't coming out of me now. Like that's yeah. insane. Right. Like, of course you hear of stories like that on podcasts once in a while. And you're like, Whoa, that's a crazy story. Obviously, statistically, that will not happen to me. I'm going to have the normal long labor that stalls that I need to do curb walking for, you know, and like go into the bed. Like that's going to be me because that's the majority or at least what it seems like the majority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I did not think I was going to have a precipitous birth. Um, again, sorry, I'm like ruining this whole story, but I'm sure if there's a title on this episode, people already know. So, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I don't think you're ruining it at all. <laughs> okay, you're doing great. great. Okay, thank you. Um, so long story short, there was another point. Oh, and also with this contraction timer, I actually like you get a um, it saves in your phone. So I actually have like a printout and like a saved PDF, like of all of my contractions and the times of them and how long they were and what I rated them for. And I was timing my contractions up until like five minutes before she, before my daughter was born. So, I mean, that's again, how much of denial I was in. I was still timing my contractions and I'm literally pushing. still thinking it's early. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Around 5.15, I texted my doula at some point because I knew that she kept her phone off and that if we need to reach her in the middle of the night, we call her from like this, this other number. But in general, like she keeps her phone off. So I figured, okay, I'll text her. If she happens to be up, she'll see it. When she wakes up in the morning, she'll see it. And I just kind of let her know what was happening. She called us and I couldn't talk at that point. But my husband was talking to her and, you know, at that point, it was maybe like 5 a.m., 5.15, like a.m., maybe two hours into labor. And at that point, we were still like somewhere, you know, we were out of Pennsylvania, maybe somewhere in New Jersey. And we were chatting, or I wasn't chatting, but he was chatting about, okay, maybe we'll meet at the house. Maybe we'll meet at the hospital. Like maybe we should meet at the house and pick up the bag and labor a little bit there and just like kind of see how we feel. Like that's where my mind was. I thought we had time to get from where we were in New Jersey all the way back to Westchester, New York, labor and hang out, grab my bag, maybe eat something and then go to the hospital and labor there. So, you know, that's... Yeah. <laughs> That's where I, I like keep giggling, but I'm like, that's like, it's, that's where you were. Like, that's where your mind was. That's where you believed that's where you were. And like, yes. So and I was also a, thinking, as a doula, I'm like, okay, let's like get there, like pedal to the metal. Let's have like a line of cops to follow. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's get there. <laughs> you know, and again, in hindsight, like looking at my time, like my contractions were every three minutes or less mm -hmm. for like a minute, minute and a half long like the yeah. whole time mm -hmm. yeah so at at one point I was reading the contractions moderate which was like the middle zone <laughs> when they were incredibly intense and I was like I was like oh these are a little stronger I think that was <laughs> during the time that I was gonna throw myself into traffic and at one point, I think it was like 5.15 a.m. ish. I don't, I, I have the exact timeline because of that, that PDF from the timer, but somewhere around there, I was like, I have to get out. I have to get out of the car, pull over. So my husband pulled over. Um, 
And I stood up and as soon as I stood up, it was, it felt so nice to just stand and move because remember, like I'm in the back of a Honda Accord with a gigantic toddler car seat next to me. And also when my toddler was with my parents in New York, he was not in the car, but it was a huge empty car seat, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I really did not have like a luxurious amount of room. Also mentioning the position that I was in. So my, I was on the driver's side behind. I had my right leg on the floor and my left leg up on the seat. So kind of like, I don't know how you would describe that position. And then I had my left arm holding the little dry cleaning bar. So I was like holding myself up. And I was consciously thinking, okay, get off your tailbone, get off your tailbone, like let your pelvis open, like we need flexibility here, like don't sit on anything, like keep everything. So I was up on my side, on my right hip the whole time. At some point, you know, my thinking brain was turning on and I was like, okay, why don't you like lean over the car seat and kind of get on all fours and, you know, lean your, your arms over the car seat so you can re- your hips can really open up. But every time I tried to like move at all, I, I just couldn't. It was, it was too much. It was too intense. I was basically just frozen and stuck in that position the entire time. So anyway, around 5.15, I get out of the car. I'm moving around. Um, I put my wrist on the top of the car. And I do remember that being a very nice moment because the car was cold and I was sweating and disgusting. And it felt so nice to have the cool car on my wrists. I will also say at that point, I took off my adult diaper, just instinctually, I think I just needed to get it off. And I was pushing. This was, I don't know, like 520 ish, 530 ish, something in there. And I felt myself pushing and I thought, Oh my gosh, why are you pushing? You're in early labor. You know, and even if it's not early labor, like it's, you know, there's no way you're at a 10. (laughs) So I just, I just thought like, no, Emily, like you cannot push, stop pushing. You're like, I just thought maybe it was so intense that I was like, my body was just tightening up and like, I was going like, because it was so much. And I just needed to relax. So I thought like the answer was just relax, don't push, relax, breathe through it. So I was just relaxing my jaw and doing lip trills and low moans as I'm trying to push and just like, and just relax through it, which again, like in hindsight, like just opened me up more. And (laughs) so uh, I was also concerned that I was going to be pushing too early and be swollen And then I was thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to the hospital and I'm going to be so swollen because I would have been pushing before I'm 10 centimeters and they're going to try to like give me Benadryl and I'm going to like be going backwards in dilation. And I was like, okay, I have to like not push, don't push, don't push. But of course, like my body was just pushing for me at that point. Like I had no control over pushing or not pushing or anything. All I was doing was just breathing and in heavy denial at that point. And again, like, I don't think my husband didn't realize I was pushing either. So at that point, I willed myself back into the backseat because I thought like, okay, things are really ramping up in this early labor. I have to get back to my house and or the hospital, 
with my midwives and my supportive team and my doula and everyone. Also for reference, we did call the midwives at some point. Um, I think it was around when we got back in the car. I didn't want to call them in the middle of the night. I didn't want to wake them up. I was, <laughs> I just figured, okay, we'll call them when we're close to Connecticut. When we're close to the hospital, we'll give them a heads up and say, hey, we're, you know, an hour away or, hey, we're 45 minutes away. Just want to let you know. Um, and that seemed very reasonable to me. It didn't really make sense in my mind to call them in the middle of the night to be like, hi, we're four hours away. I don't really know like what they would have told me. So, you know, again, in hindsight, when my water broke, I should have called them and they probably would have said, hey, because you're so far away, you should leave now. But at the time, I didn't want to wake them up. So yeah. <laughs> I just figured like, I got this. It's fine. I'll call them when like things are actually like something's happening. <laughs> when something's happening. <laughs> yes. So um, anyway, I'm in the backseat and I am in hindsight, definitely pushing. and. All of a sudden, this is around like five, a little before 5.45 a.m. So I got into the car at 3 a.m. This is two, a little less than two hours and 45 minutes after labor started and about an hour and 45 minutes in the car. I suddenly like just say like, pull over, pull over. And my husband's like, there's nowhere to pull over. Like we're on a highway. There's no shoulder. Like I'll pull over at the next exit. And I reached down and I said, there's a head. Because I felt the top of a baby's head. <laughs> and he was like, okay. So he immediately just like pulled over uh, or he was trying to pull over. And then like a couple seconds later, her entire body just shot out of me. And I caught her and I was holding her to my chest. And I just said, there's a baby. And my husband looked in the rearview mirror and I'm just like holding this squishy little baby. And that, it just happened like incredibly fast. It went from pull over, there's a head, there's a baby in Seconds. maybe like, yeah, like less than a minute. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really like, ba 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 And my body was pushing for me. I was not doing anything. Fetal, true fetal ejection. Yes, which I knew, you know, like I knew that was a thing. So it was mm -hmm. really cool to to feel it and to get into it. You know, also I'm laboring at night. So it was like, it was very a dark environment. I was by myself. I felt comfortable. I mean, as comfortable as you can in a car, you know, like, and um, I was watching the sunrise. So that was kind of nice. Just to jump back, one of the things when I was saying I was going to throw myself into traffic, not to scare anyone, it's not that bad. It's very doable. But um, <laughs> at the time, I had that like moment during transition, I, I think, looking back, um, where of that, like, I can't do it moment. But I did, you know, rally pretty quickly into like, no, you have to, you don't have a choice. But I do remember looking at the GPS on the screen, because where I was kind of leaning over, I could see the screen. And it said, like, I, we had two more hours or some ridiculous number like that. And I remember thinking like, no, 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 I can't, this cannot be two more hours of this. Like I absolutely cannot do this for two more hours. There's no way. Um, and then I thought, okay, I, again, denial. I was like, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see that. And then I just looked out the window and watched the sunrise. 
And I was like, that GPS doesn't exist. And I kind of fuzzed my eyes like a, um, you know, those like magic eye books. I don't know what the name of them are. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. But I don't know the name either. Yeah, like the eye. I, 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 yeah, not, not, not <laughs> I spy. Not an yeah. eye spy, but like the, like but that's the magic what's coming eye. In my mind. Uh-huh. But, yeah, where you put your nose to the page and you slowly move it and your eyes kind of fuzz and then you see a different image. I was uh-huh. doing that with my eyeballs with the screen. I was like, nope, can't mm. see that screen. Two hours not happening. So anyway, I caught my daughter and, you know, eventually my husband pulled over and I mean, I did it. Like, it was crazy. I remember thinking like, oh my God, like what even, like, I don't even know what I was thinking. It's like, what even just happened? Like mm-hmm. that was insane. So yeah. I think we called 911 and because I did, um, you know, after the fact with, with the birth story, I did Inside Edition was one of the, the news outlets that reached out. Um, they were able to obtain the 911 audio. So we actually oh, have awesome. that. Yeah. So we have, happy to send it your way. <laughs> um, but we have the 911 audio. And you just hear me being in the background saying, hi, hi, baby, hi, baby, can you cry for me? Can you cry? Hi. Like, and I'm just, I'm like trying to get her to cry because she wasn't. Um, So I'm like rubbing her back. And I had, I somehow had the wherewithal to grab a towel from the hotel room and like like wrap her she was skin to skin with me but I put a towel like over her over us and I'm like rubbing her and trying to get her to cry and it probably took like like a minute or two minutes for her to cry she was breathing like I could like her body was moving like her I could see her lungs expanding but she wasn't it took a little while for her to cry and one of the things that happened that I didn't I I'm careful with like where I share this because I think it was you know the birth was so wonderful and I have such like fond wonderful memories of it so I don't want to add any kind of fear into the story however I do you know want to be authentic and truthful about it so one thing that actually did happen was when she was born and, you know, I, I don't know when this happened in the process, but I'm, I'm holding her and I look to see the gender of the baby. At some point I, you know, I looked and I saw it was a girl and I was like, it's a girl, but like, who cares? Cause at that point it was like, what even was just happened. But I looked down and the umbilical cord had snapped. So on her end, there was maybe like three inches. Mm. And then the rest of the umbilical cord was like somewhere inside of me. Mm. Attached to the placenta uh, still? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But stamped, still snapped and not clamped or. <laughs> not clamped, not snapped, but it wasn't bleeding. bleeding so it out. instantly, yeah. it instantly clotted like both, both sides. So I wasn't hemorrhaging awesome. at all. That was something that I was checking. Like I looked yeah. down and was like, am I like losing blood? Am I good? And I actually like didn't, I like barely lost any blood. Um, good. So I was fine. She was breathing, you know, I'm not a doctor, but like she was breathing, she was pinking up, she started crying, she, uh, the umbilical cord, you know, wasn't bleeding, but mm-hmm. you know, that is 
I was a little in shock, but like looking back, like that's not ideal for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately the 911 operator, although very sweet was, had no idea what to say or do. (laughs) So, um, which is what I felt in the moment. But then afterwards I was like, I don't know, maybe I was just out of it. But then now that I have the 911 audio and I listen back, I'm like, oh, oh, this poor guy had no idea what was happening. Like he was mm. literally like, oh, okay. Um, well, I guess you already had the baby. So congratulations. I guess, I guess you did that part. Let me get my sheet. What does my sheet say to do? Um, okay. Can you clamp the cord? And I'm like, the cord snapped. And he was like, okay, I don't know. Um, and I'm like, can you just hear me saying, is someone coming? Is someone coming? To get up, <laughs> and he was like, "Gosh, he's like, I know." Is. It was it was like wild. Um, and then like uh, basically a minute into that in- incompetent conversation, my husband's like, "Okay, we're gonna go call our midwives now," and he's like, "Okay, congratulations, bye, helps on the way." And then we just hung up with him because it was like, we're not gonna hang out on the phone with someone who literally like has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, although mm-hmm. very sweet. Yeah. Um. So we called the midwives, but it just like someone was going to call us back. I don't know. I think it went to like an answering service and we, I'm not really sure what happened there, but we called our doula and she was like, okay, crank up the heat, get the blanket, like warm her up, you know, and was giving us like all these directions. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. we gave her a heart attack for sure. Because we, you know, we talked to her like 20 minutes before then. And we were like, maybe we'll meet at the house and like eat a meal together. You know, and then we were like, hi, the baby's born. And she was like, (laughs) like, what is happening? So, yeah, that's uh, that's basically the story. But she's all good. Um, My daughter's all good. She was fine. I was totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was great. Like she, you know, breastfed like a champ. We rode in the ambulance together and she was on my chest the whole time. And me and the ambulance workers, we were, um, I was taking selfies with them and they were taking videos for me. Um, I birthed my placenta in the ambulance and I have a video of that. And like one of the female uh, EMS workers was like, yay. And, you know, so it was really chill. They wanted to, um, they wanted to give me an IV in the ambulance. And I said, why? (laughs) Like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were like, well, the hospital wants it. And I just said, yeah, I declined that. And they were like, okay. So I didn't get one. And we just uh, went to the hospital and I left 24 hours later. Oh my gosh. Oh. That's amazing. Oh, what a rush. Like, totally not expected. Right. And just like you said, like, not out of the ordinary in a lot of things, like, oh, you're taking your time. And then boom, bang, boom, you have a baby. And yeah, it's just that's so awesome and so exciting. So exciting. I can't even imagine being in that position, but I'm sure it'd be quite the whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I think I think it was about like 15 minutes of pushing, maybe. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was and she her whole body flew out. And I actually surprisingly I didn't tear at all. That's awesome. So awesome. Oh, well, congrats again. I know everyone has probably said congrats, but 
So Mm -hmm. awesome. So happy to have your story here on the podcast and excited for the world to continue to hear your story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, And if anyone, I'm super passionate about birth and all that stuff. So um, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, they're more than welcome to. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.